Hey, well, welcome to Pipeline Church, everybody. I hope you're doing well. We are going to swiftly jump into the Word and uh, be challenged by the Word of God, I hope, I pray. Um, it is, one, it is great to have you guys here. There's a bunch of you right here. I like you all. All of you that are here, I like you. The ones who aren't here, no, I'm just kidding. But um, I, I'm, I, it's one of those things, like somebody asked me the other day, Jeff, what's it like pastoring a uh, church plant and, and getting this thing going? And I was like, I, it's, it's not really any different than pastoring a normal church because you've got a bunch of people with problems and celebrations all around you. Um, there's all the same stuff that you have to deal with. But one of the things that is interesting is with us, we meet at night, we meet in the middle of an orchard, so you have to actually want to be here. So it's nobody's like just cruising in like, hey, I saw you were doing this, so let's go. So part of the thing is I want to be here, and I, I'm glad you wanted to be here. And so when we get together and we get ready to look into the Word, we're coming with expectation that God's going to do something in us. Um, and, and I would say, too, if, if this is your first time here, tonight's message, um, I hope, is a blessing to you. Part of the way we teach and preach around here is uh, I will spend most of my time walking through books of the Bible as much as possible. I like to teach like that. We've done a few things, like starting the beginning of the year. Uh, we did a series called The Home Run Life, and we talked about a good way, a pattern of discipleship, and we talked about how to encourage others in the faith and how we ourselves can be built up in the faith. And so those are meaningful and needful, but I believe that God does that same work and much of the same work by us just taking a look at Scripture and seeing what it says. Now tonight's text is 1 Timothy chapter 3. And if you're a church person, you're going to go, ooh, this is crazy text, right? And uh, if you're not from church, well, hey, praise God, you're going to learn about some things you haven't heard before. So uh, the big thing is we're going to talk about leadership in the church. And there's a lot of different perspectives, and there's a lot of different things that are put out there, and there's a lot of different ways of doing church and structures of church that are modeled. But there's one thing that's the foundation of it all, and it comes down to this, the character and the integrity of leaders, the character and the integrity of the people of a church dictates how the message of the gospel is proclaimed and effective from those people. Now, yes, the Holy Spirit does work in the hearts of men and women, and the Holy Spirit really is the one who is teaching, instructing, and opening eyes and, and softening hearts. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. But really, when we consider what the world knows about the church and what the, everyone outside of the church, how they view us, they look at us and they grade us based on our character and what's portrayed. So there's a quote that I've used several times over the years working with students, and it was Gandhi. And people are like, you cannot quote Gandhi on a Sunday. Well, I can, because this is what he said. He said, when I was looking for truth, let me tell you, I would have been a Christian if it had not have been for Christians. Now, obviously, his voice sounded different and is a different situation. But that's an indictment on the Christian church in general. And the more that I've gone and the farther we've gone with this church plant and the farther we've gone in relationship, what I'm finding out is 
people have a broad array of experiences within the church. And the way that church leaders and people who serve in the church and people who act on behalf of Christ in the community, the way that they behave and the character that they hold really dictates the experience that people have in their relationship with the Lord, at least in the beginning. And that's a frightening thing. Because as we've been doing this walk and and living this life at Pipeline Church, what I'm hearing more and more and more and more is the numbers of people who have been hurt by the church or hurt by people in the church. The numbers of people that said, man, I, I sold out, I gave everything, I was ready to go, and then this happened. And you can put all numbers of things behind it, but I will tell you, when it comes to the church in Visalia, there's some major hang-ups that we've had to deal with in the history of the church here. Not in this building, but just in general. The, the global church in this city the numbers of pastors and leaders and teachers who've morally strayed from their marriages and their families. The numbers of people who have financially cost their churches tons and run away. The stories just stack and compile. The people who started out with good intentions, but the, the ministry and their charisma was not able to be held up by their character. When I was getting ready to plant a church um, and to, to be a lead pastor, I was in my late 20s. Now, I'm one of those weird kids, just so you know, all right? So I grew up in a pastor's home. I thought my dad was awesome. Um, we had a great childhood. I didn't have like a huge amount of hang-ups. And yes, I said some dirty words and I did some things I shouldn't have. But on the other side, I never had a time when I was away from the Lord. That's my salvation story is I, I received Christ. He was as natural as breathing for me. Thank you, Lord, for preparing the way. And that's what I hope Barrett's story is. Story is. But then the next step of it was I knew when I was in high school that I was going to be a pastor. In fact, it happened when I took, this is kind of funny, when I took those personality profile tests and they said, you're going to find out we did like a career fair and they said, this profile test tells you the kinds of things that you would be good at doing, okay? So I filled out the test and it came out like even on a bunch of levels. It said I should do construction work because I like to do things, but now if you know me, I'm not good at that. Um, it said that I should sell used cars, which if you know me, I'd probably really be good at that. But then additionally too, um, it said that I should be a zoologist because I like animals, which my kids are going to be like, why can't we have a dog, right? But I remember taking this test and like it was totally inconclusive. And I was so bummed because I was like, primed. I was like, all right, whatever it says, I'm ready to go. And it gave me nothing. It didn't help at all. So I made my little poster about being a zoologist, right? Mostly because I was emotionally challenged as an eighth grader. I didn't know how to let my emotions out, so I just cried into my dog's beard when I had a little miniature schnauzer, so he had a beard, all right? So you're the only one who understands me. That's a dark period of my life, all right? But the bigger picture of this is uh, I went in and started from a young age. I knew I was going to be a pastor, 
So then I went to a conference. I was about 28 years old, and at this conference, I talked with one of the great pastors in our nation, a big, mega, giant, huge, whatever church. Um, thousands and thousands of people attend there, and I had a one-on-one audience with him. And I said, what, what do I do? I'm, I'm at a mega church, and I got a lot of good things going, and I got life is happening, and it's good, but I know I'm supposed to lead the church. And I remember him looking me in the eyes, and he said, Jeff, when I was your age, I knew exactly what my church was going to look like. I was like, see, that's how it is. And he had me, hook, line, and sinker, right? I felt like he was just fly fishing with me, and I, I was with him. I said, yeah, see, you understand. I got it in my head. I know it in my heart. I can preach. I can teach. I can lead worship. My wife's incredible. Like, we got the package. We're ready to go. He said, but God didn't let me pastor the church that I had in my head and my heart until I was about 45 years old. And I, like, everything in me just, because at 28, I didn't even think I'd live to 45, right? Like, I was like, whoa, that's like forever, bro, right? And, and I remember this, this feeling of like, oh, man. And he said, Jeff, obviously you got a lot of good things going for you. He said, but but there's something that you need to understand. Along this journey of life, God is building your character, and he's growing your integrity, and he's doing things in you that you need to learn because he does have a plan, and you've been given gifts, and you've been reserved and preserved for a purpose. But your character needs to be able to stand up to the weight of your calling. So when he's finished building in you what he needs to build in you, and he's prepared your heart, He'll bust open the floodgates, and it's going to be incredible. And I felt like the rich young ruler at that moment where I walked away sad and broken. But those words have echoed in my head because as I read 1 Timothy 3, I know that Paul was talking to me. And I know that Paul was talking to the church and he was saying there's some things you need to understand about leading people and leading the church and creating culture and leading society that you're going to have to understand from the very beginning that this life and the things you do, they're not just up to you when you start living for the king. I love the way that Paul concludes this chapter and I'm going to start with that tonight. In verse 14, go ahead and put it up. It says, I'm writing these things to you now, even though I hope to be with you soon, so that if I'm delayed, you will know how people must conduct themselves in the household of God. This is the church of the living God, which is the pillar and the foundation of the truth. And without question, this is the great mystery of our faith. So he's saying, these are the things we know. The bottom line things, that Christ was revealed in a human body and vindicated by the Spirit, that he was seen by angels and and announced to the nations, that he was believed in throughout the world and taken to heaven in glory. We know those things. He might have even said if he was in person, "You, you know some people who were there. You've heard the first and second hand and third hand stories. You know this is our culture. This is what's built around us. But I need you to understand these things. If I never make it to you, Paul always left an out. He was good about that. Like, I need you to know these things. And if in case I don't make it to you, 
because he was like getting beat up and having all kinds, putting in prison and all that kind of stuff at the same time. So if I don't make it to you, take these things and understand them. So where does he go? Let's go back to verse 1 of this. He says, this is a trustworthy saying. This is something you can trust. If someone aspires to be an elder, or as what we're going to use tonight is a leader in the church, a leader of people, okay? He's going to talk about elders, and then he's going to talk about deacons. And the way we're going to use those terms is we're going to say a leader and a servant, okay? He says, if you aspire to be an elder or leader in the church, you desire an honorable position. In other words, high five from Paul. That is a great thing. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. Now here's where we start kind of the rapid downward descent. And what happens is Paul begins to line out what an elder should look like. What a leader in the church needs to be. And then he sets a standard for what a servant of the church needs to look like and be. And see, he doesn't go farther to say that, that here's what just a regular attender should look like, and then here's what a nominal attender should look like. No, he just says, here's the deal. You're either a leader or you're a servant. And I want to help explain what that means. And so from Timothy, I'm sure he's sitting there like on the edge of his seat. Okay, tell me more. Tell me more. Before I go into the details of those few lists, I want to give you a little illustration. Scott, will you help me real quick? Where's my friend Scott? Scott, oh, there you are. Okay, so I talked to Scott and I said, I need you to help me with something tonight. I need to explain something. Um, church is great. Um, but I, I love the church, but sometimes we have a bad understanding of how and what we do and how we fit in the church. And so I got um, a wine cork. Justin, good, good year. Okay. Um, says, just enjoy. Get it? Okay. So, um, and then I've got this, this string. Now, I'm just going to pull some of this off, and I'm going to prepare it. And then I'm going to get out my handy-dandy knife. I mean, you better be ready, because you're going to help me out with this. You like that one hand, you know. It's the uh, Spyderco way. So as you go, I'm just going to take this, and this cork, and this string, I'm, I'm going to, this is going to hurt, okay? Because what I'm going to do is I'm going to put it, I'm going to throw it as hard as I can at you. Can you handle this? Probably, <laughs> okay. So I'm just going to, oh, sorry, I hope it doesn't leave a welt. Okay? But, but here's the picture I want you to get, and Scott exemplified this. Now let's picture that Scott is a world that needs the message, right? And we run headlong individually into it, our nice little string. Sometimes it's a lot of pieces of string, and we run out there, and the little cork, and that's us doing it alone. That's not very intimidating. But if I'm going to be honest, now Scott, what I'm going to do is I'm going to throw this and I'm a softball coach, just so you know. As physically hard as I can throw this at you right now. And I hope you'll be okay. Is that okay? <laughs> Why? Now, 
Now, somebody help me. So why would this be more intimidating than this? Because all this is is a bunch of string and a cork in the middle all wound up. But what's the difference? You can say it. It's, it's bigger. It's tightly wound. It's dense. There's, there's no way. People are like, oh, I didn't know you were going to give us a quiz. I would have studied but the big thing of this is this is really more the example of the church. Now, if I would throw this at Scott, it could have devastating effects. If I throw it properly at the right speed in the right way, it's going to make a difference. That, it's nice. I mean, you can play with that the rest of the time, do that little finger thing that the girls used to do, and, but I never could figure out, right? But, but the truth of it is, is I will never have that great of an effect unless... I act with the body of Christ. And Paul was really specific with Timothy to say, Timothy, I need you to understand that the church together, united, compact, with one voice, with one heart, with one action, can make devastating moves on this world that so desperately needs the gospel. But apart from one another, you're going to struggle. And if you look at this, there's a cork in the middle, there's a bunch of yarn wound around, and then it's covered in something that you can't even see the individual pieces in the mo- I- anymore. And he says, look, I'm saying all this because I need you to be covered in Christ. I need you to be super tight and packed together and of one accord with one understanding, living one way, covered in me so that nobody can even see the individuals anymore. They only feel the effects of the gospel. That's the church. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate you. Would you guys give Scott a hand? <laughs> Special. Now, for Scott, that's, that's like more embarrassing, but for his daughter Camden, that's like the ultimate moment to be in front of everyone. She would have just freaked. Now, here's what I want us to do. Why are these things in the text? Because God was very specific that his church needed to be unified. And as I speak these things out, there may be some of you that are going to go, there's a leader in my life that didn't do that, that wasn't that, that didn't match up to that, that wasn't there, that hurt me in the process. And there are a lot of people that bear on their body the marks of scars and in their spirit the scars of someone who did not lead well. So as Paul would say, if you've been called to lead, then you've been called to a good thing. But... There's a great responsibility. So we go through and we read what he says. So an elder must be a man whose life is above reproach. No one can point out spots. No one can say, Jeff's a great guy, but he really loses his temper when he's out to dinner and somebody doesn't heat the food just right. That, Jeff's a great guy, but when it comes to actually you know, uh, paying on time, that, that doesn't happen. Or when it comes to his taxes, he's a little evasive, you know, like a lot of people. No, he says there's, there's no, you got to be above reproach. He must be faithful to his wife. That's an easy one for you to figure out. If you see me and Cindy, you can tell if I'm upholding that. He must exercise self-control, which means I will not be controlled by my appetites. And this isn't just about 
pastors, but this is about leaders. So those of you who feel that you have the gift of leadership, you need to be tuned in because this is your standard as well. You are called to have self-control. No appetite has authority and dominion over you because the spirit of the living God is fresh upon you and he is giving you freedom to walk outside of those things in self-control. Live wisely and have a good reputation. He must enjoy having guests in his home and he must be able to teach. Now, as we set together a, a team of elders and deacons in our church, what you are going to see is we will bring men into eldership here who can teach, which means when you come to them and say, hey, uh, you know, I got some problems with Pipeline Church. Their responsibility is not to come and play telephone and tell Pastor Jeff how he's got to fix this. Their responsibility is to teach and say, well, let's walk that together then. And then they come and say, Jeff, by the way, had a conversation. This is how I handled it and taught the people through this and walked them through this. How else do we need to respond to the church? Oh. So keep those things in mind. He must not be a heavy drinker or be violent. Now, it does not say he must not be a drunkard. He must not continuously be drunk. But there's another passage of Scripture that says, do not be drunk with wine. So that's a guard that has to be on the threshold. Now, if you see me out to dinner, and I'm having a filet and a nice cab, like, don't judge me right then. Let's, let's talk about it. But there is a difference. There are steps and lines that can be crossed. And it doesn't say if I respond loudly or I call out to something or sound violent or look violent. It means he must not be violent. In other words, saying this is not someone whose regular occurrence is they lose it. Instead, he must be gentle and not quarrelsome. If you know a leader who loves to fight, I met with a guy the other day who wants to be a pastor, and he said, I love a good argument. And I said, then you're not ready to be a leader. Because that's not what leaders do. When your kids come to you and they go, Mom, Dad, tell me about, and you want to argue with them, it's not going to lead them closer to the truth. Arguing with our kids doesn't work, and the kids can all say, yeah, I agree. Now, sometimes putting the hammer down and saying, this is how it's going to be, that's got to happen. But the other side is, it doesn't help us to fight among one another. And crazy that they would put right behind someone who fights and quarrels a love of money. If money and dollar signs drive your life, then you got to be careful. One of the things about the structure of our church is that I don't make all of the, uh, when people come and need help, I actually ask people, can you help us with this? Can we make the decision as a group? Because I'm not Daddy Warbucks. I don't have the answers for all the stuff. I don't know all of the things. And I want to have a team of people that work in benevolence and help us understand what that is. Sometimes it works a little slower than we would like, but on the other hand, we do it right and in order when that takes place. He must manage his family well, having children who respect and obey him. No pressure, Riley. 
For if a man cannot manage his own household, how can he take care of God's church? And then it goes even farther to say, an elder must not be a new believer, but be, uh, because he might become proud, and the devil would cause him to fall. And that's the part where I would say, there are a lot of pastors and friends of mine, and I say this, dear friends of mine in this community, whose character did not match their calling at the state that they were in. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. And for a lot of people, we hear this call of like, we'd like to put you up front. And we go, yay, that's great, because I've got skills. And yet the Word quickly tells us, be careful, don't get caught in those places where it's giving you all the puff up without having a solid balance, balance to your life. Also, people outside the church must speak well of him so that he will not be disgraced and fall into the devil's trap. In the same way, deacons or servants of the church must be well respected and have integrity. They must not be heavy drinkers or dishonest for money. So let me just stop here. There's only two classifications set up in this. And both of them says you cannot lose your mind with alcohol. And for some of us, that is more of a hang-up than we would like to admit. For many in the church, they like to have one life over here, and they like to have another life over there. And I want to caution Pipeline Church and anyone else in the hearing of this, do not let your appetite control your life. There is not a place in Scripture there is not a message in the gospel that says, but if you're just a person that attends, then it's all good. It says, you know. You know that when you become drunk or high or whatever you want, we do live in California, you open your mind and your spirit up to the leadership of other things in other ways other than the Spirit of God. And he says, now be cautious, because servants and leaders, there's a standard. And I'm only saying that as much as I am, because that is a huge issue in just about every church that I know. And Pipeline Church is no uh, uh, exception for that. And additionally, it says that they must uh, be committed. Did we jump to that? Go back. Okay, go this. Go to 10. Before they are appointed deacons, let them closely be examined, and if they pass the test, let them serve as deacons. And in the same way, their wives, now some of you are like, oh man, now I have to do it, must be respected and must not slander others, and they must exercise self-control and be faithful in everything that they do. In the leadership of church, one of the things that's the hardest is when a spouse actually costs their spouse a chance to lead and to serve in the church. Now there's difference because there are people who are unequally yoked. Like they are married and they are believers and their spouse is not. And, and so we walk case by case. But there are people who are not going to be in leadership because of the actions of a spouse. There are people who are not serving because 
There is, we can't trust, or not even just us, but in the church, we've got to judge, and we've got to make sure that the people we put in front, and the people we put in leadership, and the people that we put with their, with their hands to the oars, they are people of character and integrity, and that their household mirrors that. Mother Teresa was quoted when somebody said, how do you promote world peace? She said this, go home and love your family. And if everybody would do that, we would find true peace. The standard is clear. It says those who dwell as deacons will be rewarded. And I always think like, okay, leaders and, and, and pastors and servants, like tell us what the great reward is. Like I want the great reward. Like that, that's good. People ask me, what are the perks of being a pastor? Oh, I have a lot of good friends. Well, let me tell you what the perks of being a pastor and a leader are. You'll get respect from others, and you'll have increased confidence in your faith. Everything else? I don't know. I hope one day that I have a crown that I can throw before the throne of God. I hope one day that I can stand before the Lord and say that, that I've done everything I could, and He would usher me in saying, well done, good and faithful servant. But beyond having respect of others and increased confidence in my faith, nothing else is promised for being a person of character and integrity. And we see it all throughout Scripture where people made the right choice and still got punished, even costing them their lives. And the Word of God is clear. Church, there's a new standard. There's a high standard. And Paul follows all of those instructions and all of those lists by saying, if I don't make it to you, please just know these things. And know them on the backs of the things that you've seen. So Christ came. He lived and he died and he was taken again into heaven for the glory of the Father and the good of humanity. So where do we go with this? What do we do? And how do we close up tonight? Like, Jeff, that's a lot of nice information. That's good awkward for the uh, dedication service message, but okay. It's this. You know, little Barrett, he is one sweet little peach. I mean, he is a cute little dude, right? And he's got his little hair and his little clothes, and he's got, I mean, he's got the, he's got the package as far as little kids go. But if a church doesn't surround him and lead well, and if people who are important in his life that he's watching do not see the image of God reflected, then his real road is going to look a whole lot different than it could. It's important that we, as a church, don't just say we go to church and let that be the end of our road. We don't just mark off the checkbox and say, yay, I did it, now that's great. But that every day we're being made more into the image of Christ. Because sometimes people like Barrett were the only Jesus they'll see. My encouragement to us as a church is this. This is a, a point for us to either find a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you've heard this message and you have not yet decided, then bad news is you will be held accountable. The Father sent His Son to live and to die for you and for me. 
to reward us in glory one day with a seat by Him. To be able to worship at His throne. Our job is to recognize that we are broken and that we need Him and to receive that gift of salvation. And maybe too, for some of us, this is a place where we start taking one thing at a time and we start saying, okay, God, what can you take? What are you wanting to take from me? Maybe it's places and liberties that we've taken in our lives that, well, God and I have an understanding about that. You know, we, we, we get each other. I want to challenge you. Be people, a holy people, a royal priesthood. Be something different. Be something what the world wouldn't expect of us, a church that actually does what it says. And maybe, maybe you're good in those ways, but we need a challenge to be the people who surround others and hold them up. I'm going to use my friend Tyler here in the front row to help me out just because you put a shirt with sleeves on tonight, so I need to get you up here. So come on, come on, come up here. Now, now here's the thing you guys got to know. I like this guy a whole lot. His name's Tyler Root. We call him Tree Trunk, all right? And he's a big fellow, all right? It's a lot of meat right here. And uh, Tyler and I have become friends over the last, I don't know, six months, year, something like that. All right, I'll just call it that, and we'll agree. Okay. But the big picture is Tyler's way bigger than me. But Tyler's a lot newer in his faith than I am. So my job with Tyler is not the, you know, I could be his crutch because I'm that short. But to be the one who upholds and encourages and lifts him up and calls him out in some places where he needs to be called out and, 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 and says, hey, man, we got to do this together, right? And we're in this and we're, the teamwork makes the dream work, right? We got the whole deal here. And if Tyler's being honest, he's going to say, I need Pastor Jeff. And if I'm being honest, I'm going to say, I need Tyler. Because Tyler's the mission. Tyler's my hope. Tyler's who God has called us to. Not just you, but... Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. You're like, thanks for clarifying that. I would like a date. Okay, so and he is single looking to mingle. So anyway, I'm just trying to help out a brother. You know, we got to do what we can do. And I'm wearing that gold watch for nothing. So here's the thing. We are either people who are being completely radically changed or daily renewed and regenerated or and carrying a brother or sister along the way who needs someone to say, help me until I can walk on my own. Church, let's pray. Praise. Thank you. Father, we come to you tonight and you are an awesome God and we are a grateful people. This service, this celebration, this dedication, this was for your glory and our good. And I am grateful that when you are glorified, we have an opportunity to share in that and experience the good. Father, we come before you tonight humbled because if we're being honest, when we look at that list of things that we're supposed to be as people who lead and serve in the church, Lord, I uh, come to the point where I know that I am lacking in several areas and I need your strength. So God, bring us closer to perfection every day. 
Bring us to a place of understanding and knowing where we have broken relationship and broken your heart. But even more, God, would you, like the psalmist would say, don't cast me away from your presence. Don't take your Holy Spirit away from me, even though you know me. But restore in me the joy of the great salvation that you have provided. And renew that spirit in me. So the way we wrap our service time together here in our prayer time is this, just with everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. It doesn't do any good if I pray a fancy prayer that only pastors can make up and make you repeat it and you walk out. It, it requires an effort of your soul. So if you're here tonight, in the next moment, we're going to... I know you're all here tonight, but okay. But in the next moment, I'm going to give you a time to just pray on your own. And if you have not received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, have said, God, you are my one God. I am going to serve you all the days of my life. If that has not been said by you and in your heart, then let tonight be the night. Here's the prayer that you'll pray. Your God... I want you to be my one God. I am broken. I've missed out and I've fallen short. Be God of my life. Thank you for the gift of your son. Thank you that tonight my joy is renewed in him. I give my life to you. And maybe you're not praying the prayer of salvation, but you've got a prayer saying, God, there's a couple things in those lists that stuck out in my head. And between you and me, I'm not even going to say it to my anybody, but just you and me right now, I know that there are some things that I need to get straight before you're going to let my calling go any further. Because my character needs to be able to stand up to my calling. If you've had a couple things in your head or your heart rolling around, maybe that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you and saying, that's, what, that's a place. That's a thing. That's one of those areas. It's you and me. Let's do this. If you're somebody and you've been in this room and, and you're wondering every week, every day, why can't I just get that step ahead? I know I'm built for something more. I know that there's something ahead of me. Why can't I make it? Then the question I would have is, is your character equivalent to the calling that God's called you to? And if not, let's stop. And let's make sure we get there together and be the church. So your prayer would be, God, restore the right spirit within me. Maybe you're feeling good and you're on the right path and you're, you're being regenerated and renewed every day. Then it's the call to God to put me on mission. Help me find a Tyler. Help me find somebody in my neighborhood. Help me find somebody tomorrow. Give me vision like you have so that there wouldn't be one more day where that person would go without hearing the message and having a partner to walk through this life with. Wherever that is, wherever you are, Take these next moments to pray on your own and then we're going to close the service and worship together. So tonight you are heading out and hopefully you're going to stay with us and have dinner and uh, eat some celebration cake, I think is what we got. We've got balloons out there and all this stuff. 
But hopefully you leave this place with a renewed and energized passion for the Lord, with a new heart and a fresh perspective and an understanding that God has something to do with you and he's building your character to stand into your calling. God is at work and he is present with us. The end of the gospel's account, Jesus proclaiming to the disciples, now go into all the world and preach the gospel, baptizing them and teaching them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, guiding and leading and walking and proclaiming. That's our job. So tonight, before you go, let me just bless you and ask the Lord to pour out his blessing on you this week because that's our job. That's what he's called us to do. Would you just extend your hands to receive the blessing? May the Lord bless you. And may the Lord keep you. And may his face shine with all the glory of his majesty upon you. May his name be made great in your life this week. And may his Holy Spirit power, may his power and presence, through the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, be on you in such a powerful way that the world can't help but notice that there is something that is radically different and be drawn to it. Go with the presence of the Lord and change the world. Have a great week. We love you. In Jesus' name, head on.